to Thoughtful, a podcast where two buds talk about interesting ideas. I'm Quentin. And I'm Jordan. We're starting now. All right, quote for today, and I'm just... I, I looked at a bunch of quotes and I just didn't like any of them for some reason. So uh, the quote for today is, have you ever wondered, and just starting with that, you know, asking that question, have you ever wondered about this or that? I thought you were going to say, have you ever wondered why a pirate's beard be long? No, like just like. <laughs> You'll know why when you try to shave with an eye patch on. That's pretty good. That's really good. Um... <laughs> I, I thought you were just going to say, have you ever wondered? Just period. Have you ever wondered? Have End you? of statement. <laughs> and what that makes me think of is um, this book called Nasty, Brutish, and Short. About It's a, uh, uh, by a philosopher writing about philosophy questions brought up by his children, either in just like actions that they do or literally brought up that they ask him, um, such as, what if the the way I see red is the way you see blue? And that those bring up genuine philosophical quandaries that philosophers have been debating for like centuries. I love that. Uh, yeah. There's something about just childish wonder yeah. that I just am so into. And I think we lose it a lot. Hmm. And I love this idea. Have you ever wondered? Because it brings up an infinite amount of just questions. Of Yes. And I think some... Some of the best ideas have have come out of mm. these the, this question. Yeah, one of the really interesting things he mentions in the book is his children got to school age, starting to be like tween age, and he'd say, "Hey, what'd you learn at school today?" And they'd be like, eh, "Nothing." And so he started to toggle with his question a little bit, and he started to ask something to the effect of. Did anything interesting happen at school today? Or what or what made you curious? Was there anything that made you curious at school today? Mm. And then his his children would respond to that and they would say, We were doing XYZ in social studies, and I was wondering, are there any other dictators who have blah blah blah? And and, and then they would be able to have like a really great discussion about what they're doing in school or friends that they're making in school or uh, just all kinds of things. Yeah, it's such a big difference between what is interesting because interesting is so subjective to different people that you yes. are forced into an opinion. Yes. And that's where the interesting conversations happen. Yes, yes. There's this really great TED Talk by a contemporary composer. His name is Mark Applebaum. and that's a cool name. It is a cool name. And he starts his journey with creating all of this what most people would consider either very odd music hmm. or even non-music. <laughs> <laughs> and his question that he keeps revisiting is, it's not, the qu the wrong question is, is it music? Ah. The question is, is it interesting yeah. to me as yeah, the composer? Yeah. Huh, huh. And uh, so just as a little bit of background, he's done stuff like, oh, let's see. One of my favorites was, it was Symphony for orchestra and florist or oh or i've heard about this something I think along those lines this. Yeah. yeah and so basically it's just it's background and mood music and 
in the in the background above the orchestra there's a florist putting together all of these different uh, you know creations and yeah yeah it's hectic and he's moving quickly and the the music makes it much more interesting yeah yeah well then it becomes a kind of like performance art slash yeah sound art slash conceptual art that's fascinating that's really cool yeah and he he's done other things like music for three conductors and no orchestra <laughs> and, you did tell me about this yeah, yeah and it's so funny because it's these three people who are just vehemently passionately conducting with absolutely no sound that's so fun that's <laughs> and so fun the way that uh mark talks about it is that it's very loud to the eyes even though yeah. it's loud <laughs> to the ears yes that's so funny yeah, but anyway, so it keeps it interesting, keeps it curious when, when you ask that question. Have you wondered yes. what would music look like if there was no music? <laughs> <laughs> so that so on the notes of music and things I've been curious about, would you tell me about your Kenny G presentation in Spanish? <laughs> yeah, I suppose I can. Uh, so I was in, let's see, seventh or eighth grade. And we had to present anything that we wanted to in, in yes. the Spanish language that we were learning. Yes. And it, I wanted to pick something that I was really passionate about. Yes. And as a budding saxophonist myself, I was starting to develop very, very strong opinions about Kenny yes, G. Yes, I love this. And here I am, this 13-year-old thinking, well, this guy, he he was a good moneymaker. He gave the people the music they wanted. Yes. But he uh but he's not a good saxophone player. Populist. Yes. Okay. Which now I know is completely wrong. He's an excellent saxophone player, <laughs> but and he also just gave the people the music that they wanted. Sure, sure. Uh but so here I was, a 13-year-old uh dissing Kenny G yes. in two languages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh but yeah, that's, that's uh, so funny. That was the the early and I guess that's <laughs> I guess the question I might have asked myself is, I wonder, how could I share with people my dislike for Kenny G? <laughs> and what better answer than in a second language? Yes. Was there, were there any like particular talking points that you remember that were like, this is, this'll stick it to Kenny G? <laughs> I I think probably what I went around quite a bit was that he does just the a similar lick every time mm-hmm. or it's a similar feeling every time it's the same song everything is the same song yes. which which now i know is not true but mm-hmm. oh i felt that way and i felt strongly about it yes uh and so yeah it was that then i, I brought up other musicians probably sonny rollins mm-hmm. and uh some of my other favorites maybe cannonball adderley and talked about how their solos were more interesting yeah yeah and it was just a different style and i was young and naive but uh, <laughs> i i was very strongly opinionated about kenny g and so would you say now is. you've come around to fully embrace kenny g if i could embrace him <laughs> <laughs> that that would uh that would be very interesting but i would watch yeah <laughs> <laughs> he he does hold the Guinness World Record for longest note uh, using circular breathing, which is kind of really? a, a funny I technique. Didn't know that. Wow, so where... he is he is good. <laughs> that's how you, <laughs> that's how, that's how you measure player. a good saxophone player. Yeah, I mean, you have to have some level of proficiency to circular breathe, but 
It was said that in 1937, teenage saxophonist Charlie Parker walked into a jam session, played the one song he knew in the wrong key, and, ashamed, went on to spend the next years practicing his saxophone and revolutionizing the jazz genre. I'm here to tell you, don't waste your time like Charlie Parker when instead you can get your hands and your ears on the improvising robot Beep Bop. Never worry about your next solo with Beepbop's iconic Lickinator technology, where the only thinking you'll have to do is where you'll play your next gig. Sit down with your instrument, look cool, and place Beepbop in the bell of your horn. Don't worry about playing as you let Beepbop play the sounds of the greatest jazzers right out of your horn. Instead, free your mind to decide how high to raise your eyebrows after you briefly look up at acknowledgement of your screaming fans. Other jazz bots include Skit Scat, the scatting robot that makes you sound like Louie himself, Swing Swing, the rhythm section aid that fits right in the pocket, and Act Now and at no charge you'll get Freebo, the free jazz bot where the only cost to listen is your soul. Act Now. Get your bots today at abersoldout.com. Again, that's abersoldout.com. All right, well, my topic today is ChatGPT, which I'm still learning what is ChatGPT. Well, what is ChatGPT? ChatGPT, let me ask ChatGPT. (laughs) Quentin is typing a question into a text box. What is ChatGPT? Go ahead, Quentin, and read that. All right, now in real time, it is typing out, I am ChatGPT, a large language model developed by OpenAI based on the GPT, parentheses, generative pre-trained transformer architecture. This is um, computer science architecture, or, or architecture is a term for the structure of the code that they're using. I've been trained on a massive amount of data to generate human-like responses to text-based inputs. You can think of me as an AI-powered chatbot that can understand natural language and engage in conversations on a wide range of topics. I can answer questions, provide information, offer advice, and even hold casual conversations. So now I'm going to type, or uh, as I type it, maybe Jordan, you could read it out. I'll be away from my mic. Here we go. All right, so the prompt I gave ChatGPT was, please write me a villanelle in iambic pentameter. A villanelle is a poem form. Iambic pentameter is the rhythm of the of the form. Shakespeare would write in iambic pentameter. Please write me a villanelle in iambic pentameter about how Kenny G just plays the same lick over and over and has no talent as a musician, even though he is a successful business person and has reached many fans with his prolific musical career. <laughs> All right. And uh, can, can I do the honors of reading this? I would. Yes, of course. as we attempt to not bonk our mics together. (laughs) Kenny G, the man with the golden horn, famed for his sax and fans in every land, but critics say his playing's tired and worn. The same old lick played night and morn, no creativity, just a one-trick band. Kenny G, the man with the golden horn. Yet, he's a business mogul, cashing in, Reborn, his music may lack depth, but he understands, though critics say, his playing's tired and worn. 
He's won over fans like the breaking of a storm, a master of marketing with a savvy brand, Kenny G, the man with the golden horn. Talentless, they say, but his success has been forewarned. His music fills the air and his bank account's grand. <laughs> Though critics say his playing is tired and worn. In the end, it's up to us to sound the alarm, to demand more from music, and take a stand against Kenny G, <laughs> the man <laughs> with the golden horn, whose playing's tired and worn. <laughs> Gotta give it up. Gotta give it wow. up. Wow. Wow. That was entertaining. All right. So what do you think about that? <laughs> that's, that's wild. That's wild. I, I will say that I've never used chat GPT. Mm. So this was my first experience yes. of seeing it create something. Yes. Ar- rather, rather artistic and clever, yeah. by the way. That's so interesting. Yeah. And so I, my understanding is that it takes, it has an enormous database yeah. of information and so it's probably taking different iambic pentameter from mm-hmm. all of these uh, different poets and it's probably taking articles about Kenny G and it's probably and it's taking your input which was had to do with uh, being a business person and had to do with playing the same lick over and over yeah. again but what's so I, I mean it says specifically play the old lick <laughs> night and morn but it doesn't just exactly spit out what you put in. It it hmm. kind of took it and turned it and twisted it into something a little bit different and new. Yeah. I have conflicted feelings about chat GPT's poetry function specifically. I've played around with this <laughs> more or less extensively. I I had it write a poem about um, from the per- perspective of somebody who's like absolutely shocked when... Clark Kent takes his glasses off and he's really Superman. <laughs> um, that, that one was maybe my favorite one I've done. I had one. You say the favorite one you've done as in the prompt or it was yeah, the, the favorite, favorite prompt. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was the favorite. Um, well, it was the favorite poem I got back. Okay. Okay. I did another one where I said, um, write me a poem where <laughs> I'm troubling to even remember the prompt. Write me a poem where Batman saves Ewoks. Ewoks are the little furry creatures <laughs> yeah. in Star Wars. Not to be confused with Chewbacca. They're like the short ones that all live on the planet. Is it Endor? I don't know. They throw it's little the jungle rocks planet. There. They throw little rocks. Low technology. Write a poem where Batman saves the Ewoks from a fire uh, that starts in a <laughs> the kitchen of a fancy Ewok chef that uh, that started an oil fire, and and it did that as well. Um, and I've I've written a, have it, had it right a couple more. I had one about um, I did a death meditation while I was in, sitting in the jacuzzi and relaxing. Explain what a death meditation is. Death meditation is where you meditate on your death. I'm sure there's different ways to do it. I need to look up more technical ways to do it. The Dalai Lama does a lot of death meditation, but you basically like visualize your death or visualize the consequences of your death and like, and then meditate, meditate on that and then try to like make peace with it basically. And it's, it's, I, I really like it. I know a lot of people probably would feel weird about that, but it probably feels weird at first. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of get used to it. Yeah. For me, it it helped to bring a lot of peace about like things that I hadn't finished or things that I felt Mm. like were incomplete about my life. It's like, if I die, I have to just make peace with 
my life having been what it is. All right, so jacuzzi death meditation. So I, so I had to write a poem <laughs> from the jacuzzi thinking about death. The juicy, jacuzzi thinking about its own death. Um, the person in the jacuzzi <laughs> <laughs> relaxing and thinking about death. That one death I did. Death of a jacuzzi. <laughs> Um, that one I actually hated, the poem that it gave me. I'm really conflicted about it. Well, t- tell me for a second, do you remember what you hated about it? Because that, yeah. that's a strong reaction <laughs> when some of these others were clever or whatever. I've decided that I hate GPT's poetry function in general. Um, it has really clever initial responses. But if you look at what it's doing, it actually has not... Actually, this one is a little bit better. Most of the time, it does a very bad job at adding information that you have not already given it. Hmm. So the Ewok chef poem literally was just over and over like Batman saves the Ewoks from a fire that was started in the kitchen of a fancy Ewok chef. And like, (laughs) and it got that information out in the first stanza. And then it would just over and over be like, and he saved them from the fire the flames were burning, but he saved them. Batman swooped in, and even though the fire was burning bright, <laughs> Batman saved them. Like, I think that somebody who doesn't have training in poetry probably wouldn't notice. And it's still funny regardless. Uh, still really interesting and really difficult to create AI that would do this regardless. So I don't at all want to diminish the accomplishment of what they've done. <laughs> but from the perspective of, chat gpt and art i think it has a long way to go because i don't think chat gpt as it's currently as it currently exists could create anything that is original i think the human has to come up with the idea tell chat gpt how to do it um, actually you also wouldn't know this if you don't know about poetry this poem is not an iambic pentameter iambic pentameter is like It's stressed and unstressed syllables, right? Yes, yes. So iambic pentameter would be like, uh, I think I'm getting into the weeds here. But (laughs) (laughs) what I I think I'm most interested about chat GPT and I kind of where I'm hoping this conversation goes a little bit today is in relation to the arts. And to me, Hmm. it's encouraging (laughs) that that it can't, you know, Mm. uh, replicate or... Uh, surpass what people can do. You know, mm-hmm. I in education especially, I've been thinking about, you know, how does, what is the role of technology in in learning things? Mm. And I, I really think that when technology is used for anything except for being a tool to accelerate whatever the learning is that's already happening, yeah. then it, it becomes unhelpful. And especially mm. today, every, you know, the... I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, Mm -hmm. but there are billions of dollars going into social media of just how to distract someone really, really well. For sure. For sure. You know, and so the use of technology can be muddled down into something Mm. that is, is not helpful. But then you look at things like chat GPT, where if it's used as a tool, you know, I, I heard recently something along the lines of there was a company who said, 
you know, a programmer who put in his code and said, help me find the bugs in this code. And then uh, unfortunately it was a huge issue because now chat GPT knows this classified code from this oh, company interesting. and it's in the database. And so a word of caution, if you put anything in there, <laughs> uh, just, just imagines like you're just posting it on the internet because That's now interesting. it's, yeah, it's yeah. in this database. Huh. But anyway, it, it finds the bugs. And, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to someone who has used it and said, you know, write a code to do this. Mm -hmm. And then they use that code as a template or a framework yes. to do the thing that they actually want to do. That Exactly. Which seems very helpful. Yes. And, and part of my observation is you can't tell chat GPT, write a poem, and then this is like, perfect, this is the final draft, we're all done now. But there's a dialogue you can have back and forth as the AI learns that you can mold it to more of what you're looking for. Well, I have a friend who codes, um, who, who mentioned the same thing. He'll say, chat GPT can be helpful for building something out quickly in code, but it will a lot of times still have errors. So you still have to be able to parse code. You still have to know what you're doing, but you can use it to essentially work quicker with information work, um, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and so as a tool, I think there's a ton of possibility. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, what do you think, so how it's going to affect education? Yeah. Because now, essentially, what can happen is a person can, uh, you know, you're a, a seventh yeah. grader who's yeah. writing an essay on yeah. Lewis and Clark yeah. and the effect that's had on the views of the native american population or yeah, whatever yeah you know and you could say write this in the style of a seventh grader <laughs> yeah yeah or write a poem i've had students like even before chat gpt i've had students plagiarize poems with poem generators like that's a thing that it'll you know it's obviously a lot more primitive than this but it just splices together lines from poems and then they turn it in this is, again, the help of actually knowing poetry. I don't know if everybody would be able to tell this, but I can read this and I know it's an AI poem. I know that a, I know a seventh grader didn't write this poem because I've read seventh grader poems. They're not like this. What are they like, Quentin? What are they like? That's a good question. They, what is a, what is a seventh grader poem like? I wish I had written one about Kenny G and we could compare it to yeah. <laughs> GPT. Yeah, about that'd Kenny be G. fascinating. Usually they have a really hard time with rhyming. They have a really hard time with form. So typically, actually, you want to make it easier and don't tell them like they don't have to rhyme. They don't have to fit a form. Write free verse, make the language interesting, have, use interesting images. You could make it sound interesting, but fitting into this form is usually really hard for them. So I'll typically start with there with seventh graders with um, easier, less hoops to jump through. So already if I get a poem like this, I'm like, okay, <laughs> there's something weird going on. Um, and then the, some of the things that I noticed about it is that um, one, it's really redundant. So, um, it's using the words like depending on what rhymes with what that'll bring out a slightly different angle of the content of the poem but the prompt that i gave it was kenny g just plays the same lick over and over and has no talent 
even though he's a successful business person, has reached many fans with his prolific musical career. And essentially every stanza is either just like, he has no talent or he's been able to reach people, which is totally fine. That's what I told it to do. But I know <laughs> for, the, for education, I can tell if somebody's plagiarizing because, you know, they give me something like this or something with that kind of like, language though critics say his playing's tired and worn i know seventh graders do not talk (laughs) like that so it, it doesn't do a good job at part of this is the training data it does not sound casual in a poem it also interestingly almost cannot avoid rhyme it always rhymes i see i've literally typed in many times just to like see if it can learn over and over write a poem that does not rhyme and it'll write me a whole poem that rhymes (laughs) and then i'll say chat gpt are you messing with me please write a poem that does not rhyme and it'll say very sorry for the confusion now i will write you a poem that does not rhyme and then it'll write me another poem that rhymes (laughs) i'm like do you understand what rhyme is and then it'll be like, yes, I apologize. Um, here's another poem that does not rhyme. <laughs> and it'll give me like another one that rhymes. Really interesting. I got it to give me a poem that d- didn't rhyme one time. And it still had like this formal language. But then I was asking about its training data. So it's like, what poems were you trained on? Because it's recognizing patterns. Oh, it'll tell you where yeah. it's getting oh, the yeah, data yeah. from? Yeah, yeah. So really cool. So I can ask about this poem. All right. So I asked it, what poetry were you trained on? Chat GPT says, I was thinking, as an AI language model, I was trained on a vast and diverse corpus of texts, including a wide range of poetry from different time periods, uh, different time periods, styles, and cultures. The training data includes various sources, such as books, articles, essays, and online texts. Some of the poets and styles that I was trained on include William Shakespeare, Emily Dickinson, Robert Frost, Langston Hughes, Walt Whitman, Elizabeth Barrett Browning, William Butler Yeats, and many others. Um, And then it goes on. So I was like, okay, most of those people um, write verse poetry, and it rhymes. So... Yeah, this is so interesting. And I don't know, it, it's kind of affirming to me, and maybe this is different. Again, I haven't used ChatGPT, but we're moving into an age where there's going to be so much information. And so yeah. one of the skills that people are going to need to learn is how to parse down into what's important yes. and how do you say things succinctly. Ah, it says, I have been trained on various forms of poetry, such as sonnets, haikus, free verse, and more. And I disagree. I think that it's free verses non-existent <laughs> i i asked it to um write me walt whitman does free verse so i was like oh great you've been trained on walt whitman write me a poem in the style of walt whitman it gave me i kid you not a poem that rhymed in perfect couplets all the way through but just used like flowy airy language like walt whitman yeah and would talk about the countryside and stuff like that i was like walt whitman does not rhyme He does not rhyme. There's no Walt Whitman poem that's just like, you know, it's not like a Shakespeare sonnet. Yeah. So interestingly, it has a really hard time not doing that. But to your point. Yeah. yeah, What I'm curious about 
with so chat gpt opens up this wider range of how is ai going to move into other areas specifically yes. of the arts which i'm yeah, interested yeah. in and so it has started to move into music in several different ways mm -hmm. and i think my first exposure was chat gpt has no or no, just but ai, AI in general, in general yes, okay. for for composing music yeah okay and so my first interaction was a few years ago with a company called sight reading factory Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is a really funny way to say yeah. AI, you know, for, for music. But basically, it, they make no claims to actually make interesting or you know, <sighs> good music. What they do is they've written a formula that huh. follows very specific instructions. So write me 16 bars in this key using these accidentals, using these rhythms. Hmm. And uh, what it will do is it will instantly pop out a melody mm. that then a student can look at and sight read. And oh, so huh. it's a wonderful tool. You know, it, it's it will, such a good practice tool. Huh. It's an excellent practice tool. Um, what it doesn't claim to be is, is writing <laughs> excellent music, which it's not. That's really um, funny. But it's interesting. You know, it will, it will often follow a question and answer kind of format. Yeah. It will end on, on the, the root note or the tonic. And so it yeah. feels like it's done at the end. And it's interesting hmm. um, and it's good practice for a student. Absolutely. What I think has been interesting recently, and so that's it's developed since then, uh, music and AI. I recently just saw there was, oh, I forget what it's called, but it's, it's basically you record your own voice. Hmm. Specifically, this example was rapping. Mm -hmm. And then you give it to this AI and say, rap, what I just did in the style of Drake. Oh, wow. And it will take snippets from all of Drake's stuff. Yeah. And it can simulate. It will make your voice, sound your like words Drake. sound like Drake. And huh. it was uncanny huh. how close it was. Wow. And, and I, you know, am no... I'm not a rap expert, but um, so I'm sure that, you know, th there was times where it sounded computerized or it was times where it sounded like auto-tune was applied to the voice. Yeah. But the inflection, the wow. the way that the words are are spoken, yeah. the, you know, it's taking the rhythm and the meter from the person who's inputting this, yes, right? Yes. And so who's recording it, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> the, the the guy who recorded it didn't sound like Drake, and then what we what we see is you know some kind of um, really convincing simulation. Yeah, yeah. So i I feel that AI is really a, a powerful tool for automation, and that part of the point of poetry is that no part of it is automated. You could write an interesting long poem in AI, potentially using AI to manipulate language in a way that a human could not. Just the way that like in a computer, in like Photoshop, you can create like a perfect grid that's the computer is generating exactly perfect measurements all the way across this picture in a way that you can't with your hand. Right. You could do something like that with language. I think it would require a longer poem or a novel. And you could do really interesting stuff with that. I think with a shorter poem, I think it's going to look formulaic because automating such minute parts, I think, degenerate 
the amount of craft that's going into picking the exact perfect word. Every single word. Right, right. That said, well, yeah. Did and you... what I was going to say is I think any kind of, what I like what you said is it's a craft or it's an art. And yeah. that is something that a person is going to intentionally choose better than an AI. Or intentionally mar it in a way that yeah. AI can't mar it because mm. it's trying to make, it, it has to make it perfect Rhyme. in some ways. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And right. And yeah. And there's some, there's some kind of satire. There's some kind of interrupt yes. that by breaking a rhyme scheme that is, is creating some kind of emotion in the reader. That's going to yeah. be different than if it just had continued that over and over again. Absolutely. Yeah. And with, with, yeah. with, um, if it recognized that pattern, it could redo it, but I don't think it could generate that pattern. I think a person has to come up with the original idea first. Yeah. And I think, what is currently (laughs) (laughs) who knows where it's going yeah yeah Yeah, no i'm with you there um yeah i just am encouraged and i wonder specifically with the arts with music with poetry with Mm. things like that if first of all i could see things like chat gpt and ai just flooding with flooding the internet flooding whatever with poor or (laughs) not uh you know not excellent writing um when it applies to music not excellent music and so one of the things i wonder is is that going to make it more special to go see people live to go Mm -hmm. see live musicians because you're looking at them you know they're right there there there's something raw and um there are minute mistakes and ch- and changes and yeah. differences that you're going to see in a live performance. And, and I don't think that those things, maybe they could be programmed in, you know, but <laughs> yeah, well with electronic music. Yeah. EDM where you program your drum pad to have a certain type of, we were just talking about the LFO envelope that simulates that like perfect geometric, like so you can hold a note and it'll give you that perfect wobble. I think that could, I think that'll definitely be something that you could still apply live. I was thinking on the exact opposite end of the spectrum, I do think live music will become more engaging as a result, or at least people who are engaged in live music are aware that live music is not going to be quote unquote perfect, like a recording, and that there's something organic that you can get from live music that you cannot get from this, you know, clean, perfect, polished record especially when there's endless amounts of it yes especially when there's endless amounts of it on the other hand i think that this has a lot of promise for art that we have not developed as much yet and the primary area that i was thinking of is game design because game design used to be this huge production and you'd have to have nintendo you'd have to have sony you'd have to have these enormous companies you know coming up with the best games multi-million dollar budgets and everything has to be a huge team of programmers but now with ai we're already seeing the trend even before ai i should say we're already seeing the trend to indie games as original ideas with a little bit more pared down graphic systems um, might be a little bit simpler, but that the core idea is what drives the game. And so you can have a game like The Walking Dead, where it's pretty much just like 
a decision tree and the whole game is like who do you save when and then the zombies eat this other guy and you know the guy you save is now part of your team and you keep going and the story will change dramatically depending on the choices you make you know that's a really really cool game idea but then you can strip it way down and you don't have to have this multi-million dollar budget you can have a team of like eight people I think uh, because AI, you're not writing all of the different story trees, which would take an enormous amount of time. You would still write the story trees, but something that would be huge would be graphics. You could have an AI simulate graphics that may not be as good as a human-generated graphic, but you also don't have to pay a team of 100 designers to build out this crazy graphic system. You can just have two guys in a basement and one guy does music and writes stories, and the other guy does, you know, game mechanics and Are programming. You want to you want to create a zombie game together? <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, I I really think that this will open the door for very small teams of people to create a game that feels as built out or feels as developed as something like, you know, Skyrim. So you have like Terraria. Terraria, do you, have you played Terraria? I've seen it. No, I don't know what it is. It's so cool. It's a platformer. You can only go back and forth side to side, but the crafting system and the world is like basically as built out as like Minecraft. And so then you just go side to side on this map and you can go really far. And then you can also dig down in the ground and keep digging and digging and digging. There's like these underground layers that you can find. You can go really high up into the sky. And basically you build this, you choose somewhere to build like a house and you can craft like all these items for all kinds of different things to do. You can craft weapons, you can craft new crafting items, you can craft furniture, you can craft a whole house, you can craft just aesthetic stuff. So people have built out these crazy, crazy things because it's essentially Minecraft, but it's a platformer. So it's ultra simple. But that kind of like simple image belies this really sophisticated game mechanic. And so a team of small people, I, I so Terraria is like this indie game that got super big because it's just a well done game. Um, but I think with AI, I think you'll be able to have a core concept with somebody who doesn't know how to design and they'll say, like, I have a friend who, um, this is actually a, a really good example, but I have a programmer friend who came up with an idea. He's not sure how he wants to do it yet, but he's like, I think it'd be fun to have some kind of wizard that controls sheep. And so he's thinking of it from the game mechanics, like programming standpoint. So he's like, how do I program this game, like the actual movement mechanics i bet when he went to hogwarts and there wasn't a sheep magic class <laughs> yeah. yet I, I, devastating i bet everybody was making fun of him when he was like learning <laughs> about sheep magic yeah but but <laughs> he showed them I he think. showed them that reminds me of um maybe i should bring this as a quote uh, that reminds me of a quote i'll bring <laughs> <laughs> okay great um but basically he's figuring out how do you control like what are the literal computing mechanics of controlling a group of things simultaneously but then he's like he's not a designer so he's like goes on to there's a, a corollary of the people who uh, open ai the company that does chat gpt does 
I forget what it's called. They do a visual um, simulator as well. So then you can type in an image you want. Oh, yes. And it'll splice together different art from the from the web. And then you can get an original image just based on the patterns, the visual patterns that it's putting together. So he, he started to generate like pixel art sheep that look really good. And so then he can program these in to be the skins for the thing and have a rigi- like a really original look to it without having to be a designer or whatever. Now to a designer, it probably will look worse, but by automating it, you're able to like cover more ground. So I think of- um, I wonder if yeah. designers think that, because I've heard specifically with this image generator yeah. that photographers are uh, oh. very split or some of them are up in arms about this kind of technology because- now for intellectual property and stuff yeah because yeah, now chat gpt yeah. can take their image and change it in a way that is not theirs anymore yeah and broadcast it out hmm. and now here is my work that is not to my quality or standard anymore yeah because it's been infused with this other image or, or whatever that may be yeah that's a whole other conversation yeah uh, one thing that is interesting is that pixar and disney have already been using ai Oh, right. I forgot of, about this. In a oh, lot of man. I'm sure they are, yeah. And yeah. so, for instance, you know, you take a you take a scene that where there's grass and they can yes. just move sliders they to They populate say, the grass <laughs> and then generate randomness. Yeah, generate randomness yeah. where, like, you know, here are here's the colors and how long and tall and even what is the variation in yeah, blades yeah. of grass and uh, all of these things that would, you know, be nearly impossible yes. to do exactly. one blade exactly. of grass at a time. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And like you have something like Inside by Bo Burnham. We were talking about this recently. And what's so cool about Inside is that Bo Burnham's doing the lighting. Bo Burnham's doing the actual cinematography and choosing what camera angles he wants. He's directing it. He's starring in it. He makes all the music. He's deciding everything. And that's only possible with the aid of really sophisticated technology. So I think that eventually there will be a Bo Burnham or whatever who builds out their whole own video game and can make music for it and can make graphics for it and can write the story for it and can essentially become the director or the producer to work with this tool to generate really sophisticated things that you wouldn't be able to to create these really original concepts. Uh, and this yeah. example that you're giving here is, again, a person using technology as a tool. Yes. And it's not the technology itself that's creating it. Yeah, it's, that's a good it's point. It's person-centric yeah. and yeah. idea-centric. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. This message was generated by AI Troll. Spams. It's getting more creative with the more acceptance of AI, and, so we say, if you can't beat them, joining them, and hurt fires with fire. The AI troll spams spammers with innovative wit. Complete complete a your troll profile with some troll quiz to determine the troll type being annoying, vindictive, creative. Then, sit back and watch your own AI troll does work for you. Nigerian princes asking you for monies? AI troll works for you. 
to, with secrets set up fake drop-off with police, demand a Downs payment of your favorite yummy candy bar every day for 30 years, or forward theirs emails to their own grandmother. Worried about getting blocked? AI Trolls detects blocks automatically, sends emails from a network of 27 billion registered emails, so your spammers gets the message every time. AI Troll. Give them a swallow of their same medicine. One thing that I have enjoyed, uh, I guess, I guess it's kind of unplugging a bit, you yeah. know, to today's topic is uh, just exercising and getting mm-hmm. into, we're training for a triathlon right now. And yeah, yeah. One of the things that is my favorite about it is just the zone that you get into when mm. you're doing something physically really hard. Yeah. And so swimming in a pool, you know, where like you... I know there are headphones and stuff made for for underwater, but <laughs> yeah. I don't have them. Sometimes I'll listen to a podcast while mm. I'm I'm biking or running, and mm. this week I chose not to, and yeah. I just tried to enjoy the feeling of the just feeling your body. The yeah, the the chill air on yeah. my face, yeah. and um, it was good. Mm. It was so good and so yeah. refreshing. So, have you had experiences like that recently, where it's just just to be able to unplug and yeah i when i work out i typically um most of the time i try to not have any music i just feel i think i'm more sensitive to it than a lot of other people i feel overstimulated really easily compared to a lot of people i think so i i try to unplug a lot i've been feeling like i've been on my phone texting way too much lately (laughs) it's so easy to get it's so easy to frame it as um, a personal decision or like a bad habit. I will say, I do have a programmer friend who was You have talk- a lot of programmer friends, or is this I just do. one friend? <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have like three or four. He was saying just the actual user interface of Android or Apple phones are designed to capture your attention and um, essentially become addicting the same way that... Not the same way, but... Um, very, very, very similar ways to uh, social media. Yeah. So just phones in general. It's so good to unplug. But I've been longboarding a lot again in in between this job and the next job because when I longboard, I can just, like, I can guarantee that I'm not on my phone. I've, I can guarantee that I'm not on technology in front of a screen or anything. And it's been so nice to just, like, focus on physically balancing my body yeah it's cool to force yourself it's almost like forcing ourselves into yeah those times yeah 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 you know, when you're on a longboard when i'm swimming <laughs> yeah yeah you, you have to you have no choice oh man yeah yeah but yeah unplugging i love it feels good feels good As always, thank you so much for listening to Thoughtful, a podcast about huge muscles and how we have got huge muscles. (laughs) Until then, have a wonderful week. Stay curious and make some time for those you love. Thanks again. Thanks again.